Hey, everybody, we are back again with another very special guest. I am going to take this time to introduce this person, and then we'll jump right into the episode. Danny Snow was born into a true Disney family. He and every member of his immediate family worked for Walt Disney World at some point in their careers. Danny took the service principles he learned at Disney to his work at other organizations, quickly earning the reputation of customer service champ. Danny got to know me on the basketball court at Florida State University while studying sport management. After earning his MBA in business from the University of Central Florida, Danny became the Director of Marketing for Snow & Associates Incorporated, where he helped grow the family business from a startup into one of the top customer service speaking training companies in the world. His role has brought him into contact with leaders of organizations around the globe, assisting them in making decisions that impact their company's future. As a speaker, Danny helps organizations achieve their goals related to customer service, employee development, and leadership. Danny has been happily married to his wife, Nikki, for almost 10 years and is a proud father of two amazing mixed race children. Please stay tuned as we jump into this episode. I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. And this is Success in Black and White. The podcast. Where our mission is to bridge the gap between between racial racial boundaries. boundaries. We can't wait to share our stories, tips, and experiences. As well as hear from extraordinary guests. So stay tuned. As we jump into this episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Success in Black and White. The podcast. We are back one more again. We are back one more again. Sure enough, we are. And guess what? We are not alone. We got a cool guest with us tonight. Yeah. Y'all already heard all about him. Part of the Disney family, which we were joking earlier, meant like maybe you're related to Mickey Mouse. (laughs) I don't know if that's true, but it actually could be true with your family lines. (laughs) Yeah, it certainly could be. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we already told our audience that, but we are super excited to have you here, Danny. Um, And I just want to start out. I want to know all about you, like childhood on. (laughs) Okay. Well, well, I'm just, I really, I want to know who you are. And I also want you to tell us how you two know each other because you and Daryl are very close and you went to school together. And so I want to hear more about that. Gotcha. But let's, let's learn all about you, your roles, your life. Sure. Tell us so, so, what you yeah. love about what you do. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, hey, as I said, hey, our, before you get started, yeah. nothing incriminating now. Okay. She tried, she tried to set us up. Okay. She's like, oh, you all know each other. Y'all went to school. Yeah. Y'all go way back. Tell me all the news. <laughs> hey, nothing incriminating. Okay. I got a couple <laughs> of pictures here I had, but uh, <laughs> I'll put those away. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so as you said, I, very much a, a Disney family. Both my parents, uh, my dad grew up in Vermont. My mom grew up in California, but they moved out to work at Disney World when, when they were 18 years old, ended up meeting there and, and worked there for 20 years. So I, I grew up born and raised in Orlando and was very fortunate. I had the chance to spend a lot of time out at Disney World. I know that's not the case for many people, but that's really how, how I grew up. Um, and then like, like Daryl, though, I think sports was really my life growing up, you know, playing baseball, playing basketball, 
all, all through high school. Yeah, my parents used to have to come out and tell me to come inside to go to bed because I was just outside shooting at our hoop at the house. Um, so, so I love basketball, love baseball, knew I wanted to do something related to sports. Um, played four years at Dr. Phillips High School here in Orlando and then went to Florida State and tried out for the team there and uh, didn't make it. And so that's why I kind of realized my, my basketball dream was over. But it, it came with a bright spot, though, because I did get to meet Daryl while we were up there playing at the Leach Center, playing basketball with uh, a lot of good guys and um, joined the sports management program there, which I, I think, Daryl, you were very active in that. Um, so this was 2003 to 2007 uh, is when I was there. Um, thought I maybe wanted to be a sports agent or a, a coach until I met some sports agents and realized it's not the kind of person I wanted to be. Uh, coaching kids. I coached my daughter's t-ball team, realized it's not something I want to do either. Uh, it was a little tough. And, and so after I graduated from there, I, I went to get my master's at uh, UCF here in Orlando. And then my parents asked me to go and work for their company. They, as I said, they worked at Disney for 20 years and left in 1999 to focus in on creating a, their own small business on, on teaching companies around the world really how to deliver world-class customer service is the way that, that Walt Disney World does. Uh, so they've been doing it for 10 years and then the, the crash of 2008 happened and you know the, the speaking industry like everybody else was, was hurting pretty bad then. So they asked me to come in and do some, some outbound marketing for them. They had just been going off a of word of mouth at that time and work from there doing the sales and marketing to help grow the company, just the three of us, you know, me and my folks into a, a million dollar company come 2016. So went from, you know, what was one of the worst years we ever had in 2009 to a record year uh, in just a short span of time. And, and then I recently got into the speaking side and going on the road, giving presentations, something I never thought I would do. Um, and, and so here we are, I've been doing that for a few years now. And unfortunately everything's virtual with uh, coronavirus, obviously, but we're still out there doing the messages and, and presenting to groups whenever we can. Uh, that kind of leads us up to where we are today talking with you. Awesome. Yeah. So this is what I want to know, and it's a follow-up. Um, so I'm, I mean, you spend a lot of time kind of around the Disney culture and, and it's kind of ingrained and instilled in you. And, um, and I know you, so, and I know whatever um, you put yourself up to do, like you're going to put your all into it. So like, how does this fit into like your life calling? Um, how do you feel like this fits into your life calling and how that has played out for you? Well, definitely with, with the Disney thing with my, with my parents, I mean, everywhere we went, service was top of mind. If it was at a restaurant or at a store, it was either that was terrible. Here's what they, they could have done or, oh, God, that was great service. So, you know, I always kind of recognize that uh, from the get go. And, and I worked out at Disney for a short time. I worked on Big Thunder Mountain out at the, the Magic Kingdom and so brought that you know, experience too. I worked at the Garnet and Gold store up there at Florida State, uh, worked up at the, the Capitol for the Senate Sergeant at Arms. I don't know if you remember Louis Santiago. I think you do, right? He was, he was my boss at the, the Garnet and Gold store. And yeah. he always re refer back to me as the customer service champ. Cause that was just, you know, it, it brought all the, all the things we learned at Disney and, and tried to apply that to, to what we did there. So I, I feel like it all helped all along the way and, and getting into now being able to teach you know, what Disney does well, what they do to get people to want to come back there time and time and time again. Uh, it, it's really helped quite a bit. And I've had great role models to it with my father who, you know, he's, he's been doing this for a long time and he's one of the best there is out there at it. So I had a great person to learn from. Awesome. I was, I love this. 
I was actually having a conversation earlier today in my role in higher education in like, we talk about data and data analytics, and we were talking about using a service model. And one of the things that we know, because we know you and you're a friend, but we know that you did was that you also have talked in our field in higher education. Um, And I'm just curious, like, I don't want you to give away the book, right? Because we want people to come and book you and to bring you into the organization because you are a highly sought after speaker. But if there's like maybe two tips that you could give on service model and how to apply that, no matter what your field is, what are like those top two or maybe top three tips that you would give to people? Sure. You know, looking at, uh, you know, whatever you do with Disney World, it's it's rides, you know, with restaurants, it's food with what you do, working with, with students at the schools and everything everything's commoditized nowadays. You know, everybody, you, you can get thrill rides anywhere. You could get a hamburger anywhere. You know, what, what Disney World China a long time ago, what we teach people is it, is it comes down to the experience that you deliver. All right, that's what's gonna get people coming back. You, you show that you care about them. You, you design your processes to be through their lens so you can put yourself in their shoes at every step of the way. You know, they, they might be asking you the question that you've heard a thousand times. And you're going to answer like they're stupid, but they're asking it for the first time, you know, so they don't, they don't know that. All right. Looking for ways to just put little wows into the day, remembering a student's name, remembering something about them. Yeah. Little things that just in the back of their mind, you know, it's a minor thing. Maybe they don't even think about it, but, but a lot of times in the back of their mind, they just think, you know, wow, that was pretty cool. This, this, you know, this guy, this girl, she remembered me from, from something I did before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- those are the kinds of things that we look at where they don't cost any money. Yeah, you're really just enhancing things that you're already doing. And, and so that's what we find. Obviously, Disney World's got billions of dollars. They've got a lot of money to throw at people. And I don't know how many thousands of uh, cast members around the country. Yeah, so, so they have more money to deal with. But a lot of the things are just those simple little things that, that bring it back to being about, this is a, a great experience. I can't wait to come back and, and do it again with them. And I want to tell everybody I know how great they were. You ever think, is there like a... Is there almost like a psychology component involved? Because I'm thinking about for me, I can do the same things over and over and over again. And I'm thinking about this. Okay. And a different meeting I had today, I was helping um, people learn how to visualize data, which probably sounds really boring to most people listening to us. And sometimes it is, but I love it. But I was helping them learn how to do this. And I kept thinking to myself, like you are using terms that they don't understand probably like you need to remember to go back to the beginning and like start simple and so do you have any like tips or tricks for people who maybe are very ingrained in the processes they're in of how to like step back and remember to just keep it simple and to like start at the very beginning with every single person that walks through the door yeah, that's a that's a common one with tech support. You know, they they speak a whole nother language, and most of us don't know what the hell they're talking about. So you said that yes, and everybody has their own little jargon. So so yes, you you say okay, this is what this means from the customer's perspective, the member, whoever it is you're serving, breaking it down and just making it part of that's our training. That's how we reference it. You know, when you're talking in their departments, uh, you know, use it. But when you're talking to the customer. Make sure you're putting it in the easiest terms. You don't treat them like they're stupid, but obviously they don't know everything that you know. And and that's a a big thing is a lot of times, 
you know, customer or guests at Disney walk right by a bathroom every time and ask us where the bathroom is and say, you walked right by it, you know, you know, but they're sensory overload. There's a lot of things going on. And, and so you got to kind of take a step back and realize that they don't have all the same information yet that you have. So. Uh, can you help settle a <laughs> uh, debate? Uh-oh. Daryl wins. Is <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I know. I should have done that. I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Is the customer always right? The customer is not always right, but they are always our customer. And you need to always remember that. So they could be wrong. Let them be wrong with dignity, though. Don't, don't make them feel bad, uh, you know? So... I know we always hear that a customer is always right. And, and, you know, that sounds good and all, but very often the customers are wrong about a lot of different things. Uh, and it's okay to educate. That's one of the best things you can do. If you can teach me something I didn't know before, I can come away better from our interaction. That, that's crucial. That, that's going to help you to build loyalty from them going forward. Yeah. So you heard it yourself from the expert. The customer is not always right. But let them be wrong with dignity. Is there that, you go. That's what yeah. I, I'm going to start. I'm like, sorry, sorry, sir. Sorry, ma'am. You are not right. But I do spare you your dignity. Right. See how that works out for you. Yeah. Yeah. I do spare you your dignity. Yeah. No, you say, uh huh. I understand. I yeah, yeah. But no, you're gonna want to go and do it over here. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't stick your tongue on that basketball hoop. God. Yeah. Let me spare yeah. you the ding. Let me spare you. <laughs> nah. In that case, you have the, the the right to to treat them like an idiot. You know, they're gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, and especially for us working in higher education, a lot of our I guess customers are students. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, with with every, I guess, new year that comes in, it's a, a different, feels like a different generation of students, like almost yeah. every, every year that they come in. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it does. Oh, I'm curious because you've started giving speeches and now you're traveling. Well, not right now. You're not traveling. Sure. Yeah. You have been traveling yeah. until, you know, everybody stopped. What is the best speech that you've given and to whom and why? So if I look at the best overall experience, I think it's the very first presentation that I gave. Uh, and it was to a group called the Sailfish Club of Florida, down in South Florida. Uh, and so the, the owner there had seen my father, Dennis, give a presentation at an association earlier in the year, wanted to book him to go and talk to his staff of 50, 60 people or so. It was the first time they had ever done an outside speaker. So they didn't really have much of a budget at all. So they couldn't afford him to go do it. But, but it, and so my dad, what he always wanted was for me to take over and do the presentations, everything, which I, I had no desire ever to do. Yeah, that, that sounded just terrible. But, but something hit me. This was going on about four years ago. Something hit me on that conversation. We normally would, you know, turn it over to somebody else we knew. Uh, I said, I'll do it. Yeah, I explained to him, you know, I, I am his son. I worked at Disney World. You know, the messaging will be very similar. Uh, it's something I've been interested in trying to get to do. I'll uh, work within your budget. And, uh, and he said, okay, go for it. And so I'm like, okay, now I got three months. I got to learn a presentation. It's going to be a 75 minute presentation. I got to, I got to learn it. I got to practice. I got to get over all my fears of getting up and doing this. And so I went, was going out there introducing me and 
I'm just thinking, why in the world did I agree to do this? This was the biggest <laughs> mistake. I am so nervous. Where's a fire alarm? Where's something that could happen so I don't have to do this? And, and I go up and I, you guys have done a lot of presentations. You, you teach, you do it. So I don't know how you were your very first time doing that. My mouth just went completely dry. I mean, from the start. And I was thinking, how can I finish 75 minute presentation like this? And I didn't have any water there with me. And I, I think the client must have seen what was happening. He went and got me a cup of water, had it. And then I was off. And it was just jokes were landing. Material was resonating with them. There was a lot of the head nods in agreement. There was the majority of people, because never do you have everybody that, you know, you could tell the people that don't want to be there. They're only there because they have to be there. And a lot of times you could win them over, you know, but by this time it seemed like just everything was going right. And finished, had, had a lot of people come up afterwards, you know, oh, I love this example. Oh, I, this is what we try to do, similar to what you talked about there. And just for my confidence in doing this, you know, that was the thing is I didn't think I could go up and do it. And, and it proved to myself that I could at least get over that and go do it. You know, it, it wasn't necessarily the best presentation itself that I have given, but if I'm looking at the whole entire experience, this was the one that I think showed that I, I could have a chance to make it in, in this industry. And so but if I'm just looking for best programs, you know, there, there are some other ones that come to mind, but none that have the, the overall meaning, I think that that one had for me. Uh, what, yeah. is, what is your number one, like public speaking tip for people? Cause there's still, I still get nervous if I have to public speak and I have, I've given a lot of presentations and, you know, talk classes and stuff. And I still get nervous when I get in front of a room. So like yeah. as a speaker, what's your number one public speaking tip? Yeah, you sound confident go up there. Just believe if you, if you sound confident, I feel like people believe you, you huh. know, if you, you can get past that part. Um, obviously know what you're talking about so you can get through it. That's been a thing for me trying to, learn the, the speech, but then if I mess up, like so many people are so good, they screw up, but they could go off on a tangent this way, they could go off that way, and you would never even know they made a mistake. For me, it's like, uh, uh, you know, I, I would just kind of almost freeze so I could remember what I was supposed to say. Yeah, so kind of learning that, just, just know what you want to say, be confident with it, and I think just the more you could do it, the easier it becomes. I, I still get nervous doing it too. My father, who's, he was doing about 100 programs a year for 20 years. Uh, and I know he, he you want to do a good job. You still get the butterflies in your stomach. Yeah. You want to make sure it goes over well. So uh, I'm, I'm right there with you on that one. Yeah. One of the things, and, and I'm going to do this for you. You don't have to do it. I'm going to toot his horn. Like he is one of the most personable people. So I don't see how you can, I mean, I know you, <laughs> you get the butterflies and, and, you know, you may lose your train of thought, but I think that you have like there's a sense about you and you're very personable. And I feel like there's going to be a connection regardless. I mean, obviously, you have to prepare and you have to deliver right. a, a good speech. But I feel like and, I, and I've known you for a while, like you're very personable. And I feel like there's always going to be a sense, a sense of connection. And then another thing like your presence. I mean, you're not the shortest. You know, you're not a short guy like your presence. I feel like that kind of works you know, works in your favor as well. Yes, that, that part helps the, and, and the stage presence. But, you know, you, you and I talk in, in a group or whatever, that was never anything. You know, it's just, <laughs> just having fun when it's like when all eyes are on you, you know, for playing basketball, whatever, 10,000 people watching, 
who cares, you know, but when you got to sit there and then talk and everything and you're afraid of sounding like an idiot, you know, people, yeah. it's tough. Uh, one of the best ways I find is, especially with, if it's more of a, a, a female, you know, heavy audience is uh -huh. talking about, about these guys right here, mm -hmm. talk about the kids, you know, uh, you kind of get people excited and, and on your side, they love seeing the cute pictures or the pictures of the kids crying out at Disney World. You know, I've got this great picture of my son Lincoln in a stroller right in front of the Magic Castle, just bawling his eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just that is the reality of children at Disney. And, and but it's one that it, it gets a laugh. It gets people kind of relaxed. And I think once you get that going, everything else, it, it flows a little bit easier. Awesome. I'm <laughs> You got okay. I, you you had something. I will, I'm gonna transition just a little bit, but it's still around the same topic. So um, obviously, COVID happened, and we're still kind of in restricted state where you you can't really travel that much, and there are not many face to face conferences going on. Uh, could you tell us, I guess, people who are interested, and also you can share um, your personal experience of how you've adapted to that. Uh, because I believe moving forward, like the virtual components of, of delivery and information and, and um, learning is going to stay right where it is. So um, could you elaborate a little bit on how you adapted to that in ways that, you know, people could consider adapting? Sure. And, and for us, you know, we were kind of in a situation where we did do webinars before this all kind of went down. So all the equipment we pretty much had in place, the, the platform, you know, we were very familiar with Zoom. It wasn't just trying to learn it all from scratch, uh, like everybody I know started scrambling to do. Uh, still kicking myself for not buying Zoom stock, you know, <laughs> a year ago. Uh, that would have been nice. Um, but really everything did go, I mean, right away, it was like March 15th last year. Every live program that we had coming up, postponed. It was going to be, we're going to wait and see. We thought maybe it was going to be a couple months, but everybody just rushed to doing the, the virtual. And so we've had a lot that we do just like this. You know, we, we get on with the clients, either the keynote or, or uh, a workshop for smaller groups. But I do think that going forward, it's going to be a lot of a hybrid where as a way to also just justify the amounts people spend, budgets are cut everywhere mm -hmm. and saying, okay, I'm going to come in next year, whenever it's going to be later this year, do the in-person presentation. Going to also be following it up with a virtual follow-up presentation to your people afterwards, just kind of as an add-on there. But I think that's definitely going to be the way we're going. Yeah, I, I know the virtual loses a lot of the in-person energy. And it's hard, you're home, you got your phones, you got TV, you got all these other things that are vying for your attention. So I don't know that the customers, the clients end up loving these virtual kind of meetings, uh, obviously as much they all wanna get back in person too. Though we're seeing, we're seeing some groups right now that are, are considering their, their events in person this year. Some that are hedging now that, you know, rescheduled from last year to this year, re hedging now to 2022. So. We're going to just see as we go, you know, it's going to come once Disney, I think, opens up more here They and more people are willing to start traveling and the vaccine gets out there. We'll start getting back to it a little bit. But this is very much going to be our world here for a long time it is some form of virtual events with everybody. Yeah. And I think it's smart. Like you're going to have people who want to be in person. I miss being in person. Yep, like yep. I have to present at a national conference and I have to pre-record it and then jump on and like chat with people while I'm listening to myself yep. in a video. I don't know. It's just weird. So I'm looking forward to it, 
But I also do think like in terms of accessibility and in terms of like just being able to provide the service, I think you're right. I think that we will not only have the live component, but you're also going to see that a lot of this virtual component will still stick around. I think it makes sense. Um, It wouldn't necessarily be my first choice, but I can see how I could maybe have to fit that into my schedule every once in a while. I mean, kids and work. Yeah, and we were trending as a as a world this direction. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is where it was always going to eventually get to. This this sped it up by a good five ten years, but this is the way that everything was going. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, some of it's nice. You know, you could just okay. I'm going to roll out of bed. I'm going to go give a presentation. I'm going to go lay back down and take a nap after it's over. You know, no more traveling. No having to get on a plane. Um, like uh, so, there are the benefits to it, but but nothing beats being there in person, mm-hmm. you know, especially like when you, when you do them through this, if nobody has their camera on and you can't see them, mm-hmm. you're, you're making a point, you're making a joke and you're usually like, okay, I know there's a laugh point, but I can't tell what anybody's doing right there. You know, it's, it, it doesn't have the same impact. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And then if they do have on their microphone, like all the distracting noises, the fumbling and bumbling <laughs> and my phone goes off or a computer decides to update or something. Dogs in the background bark. And I I was helping a a good friend of ours do a a virtual presentation for a client in Dubai and they, people signing on throughout the whole time and you just hear talking in the background. So, you know, it's a, it's a worldwide issue on virtual meetings of that happening. (laughs) That's not a bad problem though. You hear what he just said to myself in Dubai, you know, we have some clients over in Dubai who's at a presentation. I I was helping. I I was helping. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But uh, it was, it was a good one. It was a fun one, but uh, yeah. So, and I've been able to to benefit, obviously my my father had been doing this for a long time. So he, at his house, he's got a studio set up where he could, he had already been filming his video. So now he can go up there. He could pre-record keynotes we've got the green screen that's up there so we could do our our virtual events up there if we wanted to or or in the office so um we we were fortunately ahead of the game on i know a lot of people are trying to run and play catch up afterwards but you know everybody's i think kind of caught up and and got to because stuff was sold out for a long time a lot of the equipment if you tried to get it you couldn't because there was just a mad rush to get it Mm -hmm. Uh, so a lot of different microphones or good webcams especially those were like the first thing that everybody rushed rushed out to get uh, so, so it was a little tough at first, but I think, I think everybody's kind of figured it out now. Yeah. I had a chance to see that studio. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 I was it's like, I was like, I need this. I need <laughs> this. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. The, the guy could charge great admission to go in there and just use that. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, he was like, uh, no, you're not buying all of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> studio. That's right. What was, uh, I forget what y'all were in town for, but that's right. You had gone over to their house. Yeah. Uh, see yeah. That and, Y'all had a party. It was a party. That's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. on July 4th. Because it, it was summer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, well, you guys were over at our uh, gender reveal for my son. Yeah. Uh, that's right. yeah, that, yeah. Was, uh, that was July 4th. Yeah, that was a good time. So we came back wow. again and was at your parents' okay. house. That's right. For another July 4th. That's right. That's right. We just studio. keep crashing your yeah, party. We party. Crash <laughs> party. Yeah, we're here. So... <laughs> So I, I got a question before you transition because oh, okay. April, I know she had something, but I want to know because your dad has been in the game for so long and he's a, you know, a prominent figure in, in the field. Like what is you and his like camaraderie? Like, what is that like? I'm just curious. Him and I get along. Oh, sorry about that. Him and I get along great. You know, we, 
watch Seinfeld. We watch Frasier. You know, we watch uh, on our lunch breaks there. We go out for sushi together. <laughs> you know, and he, I mean, he couldn't be happier to have grandkids. You know, he, from, from my first or second date with my wife, he said, when are we going to get grandkids? Just <laughs> pump the brakes there a little bit, but yeah, we'll, we'll see, you know, but, but he loves it. A lot of people ask though, because they think, how is it working with your parents? Right. You know, it could be tough. I mean, I've been working with them for 11 years now and uh, it's fantastic. You know, we, we get along just, just really well. I mean, every morning we, uh, we drink Starbucks and just chit chat and catch up, talk business, talk family. Um, I, I feel very lucky that I've got to spend this extra time with them. I know not everybody gets that. So uh, for me, it's definitely a blessing. Awesome. Oh, so yeah, that's cool. good. That's good stuff right there. All right. I think he kind of set us up for where he you did. were going. I know. I know. He set us up for where you were going. You did well. <laughs> we'll have to just bring you on as an extra co-host. There you go. Um, well, I want to transition now and talk about the fact that obviously like this podcast, we are success in black and white. That is for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. Not only are we talking about success in varying terms across the spectrum, but we are also a black and white couple. So we're an interracial couple Mm -hmm. and so are you, you are an interracial couple with your wife and have an interracial family. And that is an important topic for us as we really, um, try to tackle, you know, justice, equity, diversity, inclusion on this podcast as often as possible. And so we have questions for you about your interracial relationship. First of all, tell us. Start at the beginning and tell us how and when and where you met your wife. Nothing sure. self-incriminating. Yeah, <laughs> everybody knows the story. It was on our wedding. Website, you know? So I. It's uh, my favorite I, one. <laughs> what's that? It's my favorite story. <laughs> uh, so we'll keep with the July Fourth theme because that uh, it was downtown Orlando, uh, July Fourth. It was two thousand and eight. I was just recently home from Florida State and went out downtown with a couple friends to celebrate. And one of my buddies just was, uh, had a little too much fun, a little too much to drink and uh, was refunding his purchases on the sidewalk out at uh, <laughs> Wall Street. And I said, you know what, I'm done, I'm out of here. Uh, I'm gonna hand you off to one of the other guys we're here with and I'm going home. And as I went to pass him off, my wife, uh, Nikki Trist, uh, call her Nikki, uh, either one works for her, but, uh, she happened to be walking out as I was walking in to go drop him off. And she goes, hey, you're cute. You want to dance? And I hate to dance, but I had had enough to drink that I was like, yeah, sure. This sounds like a good idea. So we started, we danced for a little bit. She uh, asked for my phone number and I'm sorry, I, I asked for hers, got her phone number. She's like, you should totally call me. And so I texted her that night because she had had a lot to drink too. I wanted to make sure she wasn't going to forget me. And uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, I didn't wait the three days. I don't care about any of that stuff. It just said, this girl is cute. She was nice. Uh, I want to see her again. So we talked pretty much every day from that point on for a few hours. And now we're married going on. It'll be 10 years uh, this November. 11, 11, 11 is when we got married. So yeah, going on, on 10 years almost. So it's been a great adventure. She's amazing. She, she works her butt off too. And, and she's doing what she can to survive this crazy time right now. She works at the, the Waldorf Astoria here uh, in Orlando out of Disney. So yeah, yeah. So that's the, that's the meeting story. And we, we gave a shout out to my friend that was the, the drunkard out in downtown Orlando on our wedding website as, as the reason we met. <laughs> 
so yeah and i love that she works in hospitality because there i didn't realize until this is the power of social media but I didn't realize until I became friends with her on social media that her and I have very, sim- like we have similar contacts that oh, are yeah. good friends of both of us. And I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, well, that's really cool. So small world. It really is. It, it really is. And she actually just told me today, they just hired somebody. Um, I, I forget the position, but it was a guy I played basketball with in high school. So she's like, hey, do you know so-and-so? I was like, yeah, he's our new director or something uh, here. Okay. So I, it is crazy how it ends up working out like that. But I'm not surprised at all because like when when we had a chance to meet her like her personality <laughs> everything that you just said like it fits yeah. and you know that immediately like she's just so bubbly and the smile and her energy yep. like everything that you just explained I'm like yep I can see that let's dance yep I can see that she works in hospitality (laughs) events you know mingling collabing with people I'm like that fits her perfectly oh yeah oh that that smile I mean you can't help but fall in love with her smile every time and it comes in so handy because yeah so she's the the director of catering out there so she does all the social events puts on the weddings out there and and so the fact that we got married out there as well you know it really is helpful that she and she knows that place so well in and out to, you know, she could, she could sell it really well. But I mean, her, her personality mm-hmm. is, is just the best. And so getting her on a stage somewhere to go and present, you know, that was, that was one of our goals too, was to get her doing that at one point down the future, you know, it, it was something she wanted to do, but I think she would be a rock star uh, on the stage awesome. there for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we're going to do a conference and we all going to be there. We going yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. to do something. We already have in the plan. We already got the plans. You know. Yeah. Good. We'll Good. fill you in and bring you up. Sounds great to me. <laughs> well, I want to know, um, you know, in this current climate, I guess a lot of people are having a, I don't know, I guess you would call it a reckoning. I know for me, there was, there's been, since I have been with Daryl, there's been a lot of like self-education and also just this kind of like, I am experiencing the things that he goes through. And so there is a form of empathy that I have and a form of just understanding Mm -hmm. that I think, A, a lot of people in the world could use right now. Um, But I think that there is a very, I feel very privileged that I get a chance to be in his personal life and really just understand and be able to take away the things that as a black man, he goes through. And so I'm curious for, from your perspective as, as a white man in America, what is, what has being in an interracial relationship done to kind of shape your perspective of current racial events or historical racial events, or even just the relationships that should be happening or are happening in America. Yeah. I, you know, been in in interracial relationships for the the majority of my life. And, and, you know, there was a lot of it where, I mean, even not being in one, for me, it was very clear the, the racial divide that was here through almost every part of society. You know, but I, I think then when you start factoring in, okay, you start thinking about your children now are going to have to face things that you and I, April, never had to think about. You know, our parents didn't have to tell us, you know, if you happen to get pulled over, 
this is what you need to do. You need to do this. this. You know, my wife, Daryl, her families have had to have, and countless others uh, across the country have had to have that conversation. And, and it breaks my heart that know that we're going to have to do that with our kids too. Um, I think the one that probably opened my eyes the most, that probably being in an interracial relationship that I started to notice more was the the little things, the microaggressions that uh, you're, you're so well-spoken. You know, the you know, people will say, uh, my, my wife had told me, you know, that her name being Nikitra. So people then talked to her on the phone for the first time. I didn't expect you to sound like that. You know, it just like, like little things that, that I, I don't believe was any ill will on the person's part that said it for the most part. Uh, you know, like, for the most part, I don't think, but I think uh, as white Americans, for the most part, just that's just how you talk. That's just how you always heard it. You, you just, that's just what you do. That's just how it was said, and and you you heard it everywhere. So I, I think the the understanding of those and recognizing it and pointing it out when it happens um, is, is helpful. And you guys have done a lot. You know, you you've used this platform and, and your social media platforms to do it a lot. So and a lot more people are coming around to to realize that. And, and social media, I think, for all of its negatives there there are some positives i think the social media has helped to to spread that message as well um, but then you get something great like yesterday seeing kamala harris you know coming in being sworn in as, as the vp yeah. something that i don't i don't know i don't know if i really ever expected that we would see that you know um and then after obama a while back you know it's like can think that my kids all right you you guys you you can really do anything you want to you know uh, so, so there's progress, and I think I think the world is going to start looking a lot more like our children, you know, as we we get a little bit more to the future here. That's going to be more the norm. So, uh, I'm excited. There's a lot of work to be done on a lot of it. I, I think a, a lot of education for everybody, you know. I think we could all learn more too. Uh, but that, that's kind of been my experience with it. Um, but we, we we seem to learn something new every day. So. Yeah, I, I love that. And I mean, I, there's so many different ways that my brain can go to follow up to that. But I do want to touch on the microaggressions because for me also, that was something that like it's easy to maybe put out of your brain like the really aggression, like violence and I don't even know macroaggressions. Is that what you would call it? I'm not sure. But microaggressions on a daily basis, I really never had to take into account or think about. And, you know, just living with this man and seeing what the things that he has to think through that I would never in my life have to think through. Yeah. We did an episode, actually, we did a couple episodes, maybe last year at this point, where we talked about code switching. And just the fact that he has to code switch, I'm like, I don't have to code switch yeah, ever because right. I'm a white female and I'm one of the most protected right. things on the planet, you know? Yeah, yeah, and so, yeah. and it's just been so eye-opening. And so I'm glad that you said that too, because I think that's something that often gets overlooked. Mm -hmm. um, and we are bringing on somebody who knows a lot about microaggressions as a guest speaker in the near future. So oh, okay. I'm excited okay. about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I think just the more we all can do on it um, is is helpful. And and yeah, I, I I'm sure for you, April, you see a lot more 
you know, I think the the black man versus the black woman too. I think there's there's different life experiences there, and and how you're viewed out there. And I, well, I do think uh, our relationship, the white guy, you know, black female, draws more eyes and attention as you're out and about. Yeah, I think the the black guy, white female, is something that more socially. I you know, I don't know, but it's not quite the head turner, uh, you know, as, as the other way around, but I think, yeah, you, you definitely have a lot of other things that I don't think that my, my wife necessarily has to consider while she's out and about. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, I love that you are thinking about this because I think that it influences everything that we do in our lives. I know it influences my work now Mm -hmm. and just thinking in terms of like social justice and like as an analyst people are like how do you think about it in that way but there are definitely different ways and so I think that your perspective and your experience and your life probably shapes exactly who you are in your career and I love that mix because it just makes you more accessible to everybody. And it gives Mm -hmm. you an empathy that you probably wouldn't have in front of audiences that you may or may not even realize. Right. Yeah. I love that tie over. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely good. And, and yeah, I, I, as much as I can tie them into, to my presentations too, I do, because on top of that, I mean, they're just freaking adorable, you know, they, uh, you know, and they're, they're so much fun. We've been really trying to push to, to our daughter, Trinity, just the importance of everything that just happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she, she's seven years old. She doesn't really know or, or really even care right now at this point. But you know, we keep trying to push what, what a big deal this was. And, and her, you know, I, I think I think she's going to grow up obviously in a whole different world than we ever did. But mm-hmm. seeing this, having somebody that looks like you and, and being represented is a huge thing for, for children. So I, I'm very excited that they do get to grow up and, and have these kind of role models now. Me too. Yeah. And I think it's cool that you show your kids to the audiences. (laughs) They probably love it. That right there. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Between them and my wife, three best things about me, you know, for sure. So, yeah, I I wanted to make sure that that they got in there. They were going to, you're going to hear about them. So uh, these guys, they they are incredible. So they, they are a lot of fun. And we know that Trinity is like, a rock star cheerleader right i've seen this yeah yeah so she's she done two seasons of cheerleading so far they, they've had to take breaks right now with everything not happening but she is a performer we try to do the the t-ball thing but as she's running home she's dancing you know maybe <laughs> <laughs> next in the family business yeah oh yes yeah definitely <laughs> yeah we'll we'll do a post on on social media too with something business related you know 10 likes. You put Trinity in the picture, 300 likes. Yeah. You know, we know. 10 minutes. It's just, <laughs> we know. So we gotta get, we gotta incorporate her. It's like every piece of marketing that we do. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it helps. I'm telling it you, helps. it helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's all that I have. That's I mean, all he I have. all this the questions good. perfectly. Yeah. Gave us a lot of insight yeah. on, you know, what he does as a profession and him as a person, which yeah. I think, like you said, overlap very well. Um, like I said earlier, one of the most personable people that I know. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, if you're interested in bringing in someone to speak about oh, service, man. like it, don't even look anywhere else. <laughs> this is it. This is it this right is here. It. Don't even look anywhere else. This is it. What we're going to do is we're going to give you a chance to share with everyone how to find you, how to contact you, 
um, what that what the best way to do that is. So we'll give you a chance to do that now. Um, okay. And then if you have any last minute things, you can, you know, drop that after um, you tell the people how to reach you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, www.snowassociates.com. That, that's our, our website there. Uh, you could find me on Instagram at, at Danny Snow Speaks and, and Facebook at Danny Snow. Um, I, I'd love to connect with anybody there and, and share. We've got a lot of, we've got virtual training material um, dealing with the lessons from the mouse is what we call them based on our, our background with Disney. So we've got virtual training programs, we've got books. Um, we do the live or virtual training programs as well. So yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can email me to danny at snowassociates.com. So uh, I, I appreciate you both having me on here. I, I've loved you guys, April. I've been really enjoying getting to know you over the last couple of years. Uh, Daryl, we had a lot of good times on the basketball court up there. And uh, uh, I just uh, appreciate you. You have always looked out and stayed in touch with me. And it means a lot. And I love to see how well you guys are doing too and, and the family you're raising. So, uh, so thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Anything else? That's it. All right. Well, until the next time. Bye. We're out. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Success in Black and White, the podcast. The podcast. Music engineered and produced by DJ Vance. Remember that you can join our email list at successinblackandwhite.com for more ways on how you can help bridge the gap between racial boundaries. I'm April. And I'm Daryl. We're, We're out. out.